You're listening to DraftKings Network. Sheena just joined the old boys club. All right, I know. This is tough. Um, <laughs> fuck Corsi. I care about heart and block. Oh, here we go. This is tough. Um, Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Too Many Men podcast. This is episode 13. Uh, I'm Allison Lucan. With us, as always, is Shana Goldman. Shana, say hi. Hi. I can't. And Sarah Sivian. Sarah, say hi to the people. Hi, people. How are we doing this week? Um, <laughs> I'm doing okay. <laughs> Relatable. Hashtag relatable. (laughs) All you're gonna get. (laughs) Well, we are. um, We have moved to Zoom, as some of you have seen from our social. And what that means for all of you guys is that we are actually going to try something different to hopefully bring some additional entertainment your way. And next week's episode, we're going to record off a live stream. So be sure to follow us on Twitter at two underscore much underscore man. And we will give you details uh, for when that is going to be. And we're going to have some fun participatory exercises. So stay tuned. Um, But with that, uh, we start off as we always do. uh, We start off with our shit list. Um, And this is this is a big one, folks. Uh, Shana, you always give us the rundown of, of what our topic is. And I will let you tell us what's on the shit list this week. Every every player except for Stephen Johns. Ryan Miller and Vander Kane is on the shit list. Everyone in hockey, that is not those three players. Welcome to the shit list. <laughs> you can tell us why. <laughs> yes. Um, we have an guest. <laughs> <laughs> so Akeem Alou put out a story on the Players' Tribune about his pretty awful experiences in hockey. And, um, you know, I don't think we're asking for players to – come out and be like, we have to break down hockey and go crazy about it. But at the very least, they could be like, hey, racism has no place in hockey. We have to be better. We support you. Like three things that would be nice to see. And, um, you know, apparently everyone forgot and didn't do the right thing and be a human being because um, like it or not, if you're in the NHL, like you have a platform, you are a role model, you have a voice and you should use it even though no one ever does because they are like so bland every single one of them they're so bland you know what I think a lot of them actually would want to say something but feel like they can't because of the culture and it's like if you want to talk about how there's leadership in hockey then it's like somebody should start being a leader in that way with saying what they actually want to say without being afraid of what um the Brendan whatever's of the world would think (laughs) <laughs> the Karens. Yeah. The Karens. Uh, Brendan is the hockey Karen. <laughs> Sarah, what was, what was your reaction to the story when it came out? Um, honestly, I thought that he nailed the powerlessness of having an identity forced on you that you didn't choose. And um, like, it was really powerful to me the way that he brought up how what his experience became a discussion at like, as if like a, there was two sides to it. And um I loved the part, not loved, but like, it just, he was such, he got his point across so much when he said, 
I dreamed of my parents reading in the paper back home about their son scoring a hat trick in his first game or leading his team to the playoffs. Instead, they had to hear about my refusal to strip naked and get in a bathroom in the back of the team bus with three other rookies. And somehow the whole issue was treated like some sort of discussion. I read headlines like, what was what happened to Akeem Lou wrong? Like, that sucks just to begin with. You start your whole career and it's like, it's completely out of your hands the way, uh, just because you didn't want to get hazed and you just weren't part. It just spoke to how like, once you reject one part of the culture, they look for all their reasons to keep rejecting everything about you. And um, I don't understand how you could read that and got to see both sides of the situation. Like, there were still so yeah. many trolls and people responding being like, he wasn't good anyway. You think that's a fucking point of this? Right. That's not the point. And you think the reason he bounced around so much wasn't because he stood up to hazing and because of racism? Like, he was uncomfortable with people calling him the N-word, uncomfortable with blackface. I don't understand that you can think the reason he isn't in the NHL is because of his own skill. It's like such a, I think you're so dense if you can't understand that this is a multifaceted issue and that it all stems from people being racist. Yeah. Look at, I was watching today and it's an awesome thing that went on with, you know, the Canadian effort to get protective equipment for so many on the front lines and everybody was tweeting about it. Everybody was celebrating it. Like it's not hard to Shana's point to rally around a cause that means something. And when these stories come out, other than the three players that Shana initially mentioned, and, and they were not all right off the cuff um, in terms of timing, there was, no, there was no case for this. And there should be people looking into this. There should be people exploring it, challenging it, and trying to make hockey better because it's, it's, it's too real. And it's just upsetting that, to your point, Sarah, people are still saying, Oh, not really. Just this one guy. You know, it, it's not true. <laughs> it's yeah, just not it's true. not true. And I get that you love hockey, but isn't the like most highest form of love like wanting to make the thing that you love better? So mm -hmm. I'd argue that like you don't love hockey as much as people that are actually calling it out, or you're not being honest with yourself if you aren't examining what the situation is and trying to be part of the solution. Yeah, absolutely. And that's ahead, the Shana. point. Uh, that's when he mentioned, like, you know, he's not dragging the sport. He's not, he's not he trying. He loves the sport. Yeah. It's not like he's some bitter ex-player that didn't cut it and to paint him as such. It's so wrong because he's saying, I, I love hockey. I'm not dragging it, but they need to face problems to be better. You know, these players are so isolated when it happens because it is such a white sport and people don't relate to it unless they actually experienced it. And and then the players that never experience it are too quiet or too shy or too worried or outright careless, or they're the part of the problem too. You know, you have that section too of, you know, within hockey. So these players get so isolated from it that it ruins it for them, but they just want hockey to be better, to be more inclusive. And, you know, I, I think a big point he mentioned was growing the game and not necessarily growing it internationally, but growing it from, within their current roots, which is making sure it's more inclusive to be better. Everyone knows that, you know, like every single thing can improve by bringing in different viewpoints and opinions and backgrounds and skill sets and things like that. If you can diversify your workforce or diversify your skill sets on your team, like anything like that, if you do that within, you know, North America alone, 
and make sure that you are more inclusive to players who have different backgrounds, like it makes everyone better and it makes them better. And, you know, in terms of like their mental attitudes and, you know, it's, it ties more emotionally to a wider fan base. You have more openness, you have more, it's just like an overall inclusive environment that you should be striving to have. So there's so much to be done that you're not looking at hockey and going, well, fuck hockey, we hate it. But it's how can we make hockey better and grow because you don't want anything to just be stagnant. Like it doesn't get better that way. Yeah. And there's a lot of like, I don't really know exactly how to explain this, but um, it's like, well, why don't people do more stories like asking black hockey players about this stuff? And like, what about the black hockey players speaking out, stuff like this? And it's like, it's not like any issue with um, a minority group or a um, somebody who is in the minority, it needs to be like the majority calling it out and kind of policing the situation and standing up for the black players. I know like, I know a black hockey player and I mean, that obviously, but like, I had a conversation with him once just kind of like, you don't ever really talk about like any of the struggles that you might have have had growing up because I know like we've talked about it privately before but like you never really want to do an article about it or anything and he's like yeah I don't want to stand out more than I already do and it's like that's just the like it shouldn't be on them so well and like and what's infuriating about it too is like it's so fucking lazy like to your point like it's this isn't about how he played or what kind of an athlete it was this was literally about the color of his skin like how fucking lazy do you have to be? Like if you're going to evaluate someone, evaluate them on the merits of whatever it is they're doing or trying to do. But like you literally can't get past something that you see. Like boring, lazy, obnoxious. Yep. Yep. Completely right. And um, to, to point it out, you know, like I, I feel like this is something I saw uh, being said too is like, not only do the players not want to stand out and have that pointed out to them constantly, like you should be the one speaking on it, but they deal with enough every single day just by walking into a rink and not looking like everyone else. And it's so wrong to expect them to constantly be the ones changing it by being there. That is a change by being accepted. That is a change, but they don't need to do anything to be accepted as long as they're good human beings too. And you know, in every situation you hear, this player has attitude problems, you know, oh, this one, it's, it's this, it's that. There's a common theme here. And it's that lazy, same thing as their skin color. We looked at them and went, we're done. We don't yeah. care. So it's on everybody else to ask the questions, to listen and not just listen, but absorb the information that's being given to you and figure out ways to support those around you. And I hate that it almost comes off sometimes as like, you need a white person to do it for everyone else to listen. Or if you're a woman, you need a man to stand up for you. Like that's not the case, but they should have the support. It's not that they need someone else, but it helps. It helps to have. Some people only listen to white men telling them. Right. So that's, and these are the people that are the biggest problems. So it's like that is why it needs to happen. Well, and to and I mean, and this this happens at all levels of hockey. I mean, there were stories out of Washington D.C. just this past year of kids, you know, having racist chants and having parents say, you know, they don't want their kids to play with a an African American player, what have you. And it's just, you know, I think what 
I will say that yesterday, um, and we had Fatou from Black Girl Hockey Club, part of our Flip Cup tournament, and Black Girl Hockey Club on Twitter did a great thread of just kind of saying, what are you going to do to be better? And I think that everyone should check that thread out and see people who found ways that they need to improve. And, and I think too, like one of the things is we as white people need to do a lot of the work. It's not like Shana said, it's not the African-American people's job to educate us. Um, we have to do the work and we have to be willing to get stuff wrong too. I think, you know, I think that that is a thing that sometimes people feel afraid to try. That's not okay. But you have to be willing to say, I'm going to get stuff wrong. Jillian talked about this, right? When she was yeah. on the show yeah. and just try to be better, learn from your mistakes and seeing where you can get better isn't a bad thing. I don't understand why that has to be a bad thing to say, I got it wrong. I learned, I got better. Like, yep. we just all have to be better and, and do the work because it's like, it, when you think, think about the outrage that's happening right now about when we're going to get to this, like a 2014 playoff, everyone's like raging and the, the volume about racist incidents in hockey is nowhere near as loud. Yep. And yep. that's a problem in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so. Agreed agreed completely because you see it you know in this case you see the, here's a player on the outs and then the coach bill peters that did wrong he got yeah, fired bill peters is the coach and you're saying it's because akeem is bad like, yes. seriously honestly and bill yep. peters has another job already remember exactly. that too and exactly his dm right wished there. him well yep. so he literally yeah. less than he's a not year. even a good coach <laughs> that's the best part yeah exactly exactly he doesn't have this unbelievable winning record he you know he worked with uh mike babcock great wonderful like who fucking cares like he did not do it in carolina he did not do it in calgary he probably could have been fired for what he was doing with the flames earlier this year because they weren't doing well and guess what when the team's not doing well everyone looks at the coach and he could have been on the outs for that if they were doing well in this first place team and this is exactly what we talked about last last week. If Brennan Lepsick was this, you know, top six player, he would have been fine. They would have been like, we're working with him. If Bill Peters was doing incredible things with the Flames, there's no way he would have been fired, but he could have been fired for their performance right there. And now within a year, he has a job, another job being a head coach of another major organization, but it's totally fine. Mm -hmm. But Akeem Malou here didn't get his yeah. NHL career when he should have had it based on his skill, or at least the chance to prove that he should have it based on his skill and purely his skill. The president of USA Hockey called one of his players the N-word. Like, yep. what are we even doing, people? And, and, gave and there's no problem? Yes. Right. And he gave a bullshit answer. You know, he knew where to find me. This 15-year-old player who is completely isolated and feels like, what am I going to do? Because my coach, GM, owner of the team, whatever, he, he was – all three or two out of the three just said this to me. I'm a kid in a place where I already feel unwelcome. And now from the top, I'm being told that, but it's okay. Mm -hmm. He knew where to find him to look for an apology. And Fuck that. that's the point of culture that even if it, something exactly like that hasn't happened to every single black player, there's always a risk. And that's always in that black player's mind in the back of their minds that they could be treated like that at any moment and they would just have to accept it. And that's unacceptable. Right. 
Totally. But those aren't hockey fans. They're not NHL fans. Oh. Remember, the person who went on, and this was a big point, he talked about the Zoom chat with Keandre <laughs> Miller. Yep. It was a person going on a Zoom chat that the Rangers put out that had a select number of people to talk to a hockey prospect. Guess what? Mm-hmm. That person was a fan. There's yep. no there's no reason for them to join it otherwise. They probably wouldn't have known about it. It's not, you know, it's not the NFL, and it's the first overall pick that everybody knows who it is that you could maybe try to pull that excuse, which still probably wouldn't fly. This is, you know, here's a player on the Rangers who's not the biggest name in hockey that you might not have known about before this happened. And now you know about him because of this, which also sucks. A hockey fan went on there. Yeah. It'll be the lead of every story about him for like 10 years. Yeah. Look how he persevered. Look what he's gone through, blah, blah, blah. He doesn't – he should be able to walk into the rink every single day and play his game, and fans should have gotten to connect with him for who he is as a player and who he is, you know, as a person without any of that getting in the way. The first thing he does with the team and right there, it, like, sets the tone for the rest of his – potentially his NHL career. Yeah, but that person, not, not a hockey fan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not a and fan. I'm not trying to equate the situation to – the scale of racism in the NHL, because I think that's a way more serious issue. And I was able to move past this, whatever, but um, just in Pittsburgh, when the first thing that happens to me is I get sexually harassed by my boss. And now everybody knows me as the girl whose tits would look good on channel 11. I obviously was moved past that, but like at the same time, like I thought my career was over just because like I was known for something that, but I was creating amazing content and it's like, nobody even knows me about that. I got my start because I mean, I, I took advantage of getting my start from being known as somebody that was sexually harassed by their boss and had to quit their job and move back home, which sucks. But it was like, that's why I completely just, I cried reading him talk about how he just wanted his mom to read that he got a hat trick or something. And instead it's all about the things that he felt forced to, that was his identity. So I'm so happy to see him reclaiming it in a way that's helping so many people. And obviously it's not, on the same scale at all, but I just like my heart sunk when I read that because it's mm-hmm. such a terrible feeling when you just want to make your parents proud and like other people are doing things to you that like you just what do you do? I don't yeah. know, but he's handling yeah. it the way now is amazing. It's out of your control. Like it's up to you for how you handle it, but it sucks that you're put in the position so quickly to have to handle it yeah. because of something that was out of your control because someone had to be an asshole and be a piece of shit because what's what's being a human being like honestly mm-hmm. what what does it take it takes more energy to just take the effort to be a bad person than to just not say anything at all if you can't even handle being a good person just don't say anything at all you know like mm-hmm. it it doesn't make sense why you do that unless you're just hateful and awful and it's such a waste of time and energy to do that and to do that to another person when if it were done to you, you'd probably deflect and, you know, woe is me. Like, it's so impressive to see that it's not woe is me. It's this is how we can be better. This is how we can move on, which you did, which he did, which all these players have had to do because someone had to do something to kick that off. But there's so many players who didn't even get the chance to move on. And that's right. part of the point of the story, yeah. right? Is that exactly you wonder. Has yeah. he, like, everyone says he's a shitty player. Do we know if he's a shitty player? Because he didn't necessarily get the same chances and opportunities that other players with his level of skill at that point in time in his life got. Period. Literally Bill Peters was his coach at the height of his skill. And we all know what Bill Peters did. And like just 
of course, people who and people who respond to this in the first place, it's not even the point. But even if it was the point, it's like you're being intentionally obtuse about right. this because you want to feel comfy, but mm -hmm. you have to feel uncomfortable because this isn't perfect. But the more that you realize that, like the better it will be. Absolutely. Wait, can I add to people are saying he was just a, such a shitty player. When did everybody become huge experts? <laughs> yeah, on, on AHL players. Like, let's face it, this happened years ago. It's not like we had as, as good of access to AHL feeds and junior feeds and things like that. And I know in Canada it is different and this is playing constantly, so it's easier to see. But most of the people having opinions on them, I would bet you, have not seen him play. Maybe right. they've seen one clip or one play, but even that, it seems like such a stretch. But, you know, all of a sudden everybody – they're these huge experts on everybody. Thank God we have so many analysts in the world. Like we could all quit our jobs right now because fuck, everyone else can do it so much better than us. I've cursed so like scouts. 30 times today. I'm sorry. Only 30? It's disappointing. <laughs> New low. But like, <laughs> if you're saying that Akimalu is a bad player, you're just full of shit. Like, and there's just no, it's the audacity to even say that after he, you definitely didn't read the story because that story is heartbreaking, but. Yeah. yeah, that's all I, I mean, have to say about that. I think everyone, if you haven't, um, please take the time to read the story. Please take the time to reflect on how you yourself can help make this sport that we love so much better. Um, and if you need encouragement on things that maybe you can do, again, I'd encourage you to check out the Black Girl Hockey Club Twitter. Um, talk to people. Do some work on yourself. Do some educating of yourself. And we love this sport. We want it to be better. That's why we're all around it. So. There's, there's value in making it better. Uh, with that said, there is some better news uh, coming out of the hockey world, coming out of the women's hockey world. Um, first up, perhaps the, the more significant announcement came out of the NWHL uh, this past week. Uh, Shana, drop some knowledge on us on what the NWHL announced. Okay, so first we have the bad, which is the oh, Isabel yes. Cup final was canceled. Um, they were down to one game. It was between Boston and Minnesota. It was a little bit awkward if players were moving on with the offseason, but if you signed somewhere else, you could go back to – if you left Boston, say you could go play for the Pride for one more game. It does put everyone in a weird position, but for one game, you know, they can make it work. They unfortunately had to cancel. But we have good news. We knew they were expanding. We knew it was Toronto, but now they have a team name, and it's the Toronto Six. And I think it's like, it's a very cool name. It's very fitting. It looks like they're going with the color scheme of like reds and blacks. And I'm really excited to see what they can do with that. Um, I know Alyssa Longmere was putting out uh, Jersey mock-ups and it got me so excited for what it could be. Cause I mean, hers were awesome, but just, you know, overall, this is the sixth team and it's Toronto being the six, like everything about it, just, it came together so well. So I'm very excited about that. I'm only bummed because the best logo ever in hockey was the Toronto Furries, Furies. Mm. And it, it's not, it's not. If anyone finds Furies merch, seriously, I will pay for it. Hook me up because I desperately need it. Yeah. Um, Theirs was so nice. It was so nice. Any thoughts on the end before we get on to the other side of the women's game, Sarah? Nope. Um, let's go. <laughs> And so the other, the other part of the women's hockey world, professional hockey world, is the PWHPA, of course. And Shana, what happened there? They are announcing their uh, player returns, including big names like Danny Camarizzi and Hillary Knight and uh, Katie Burt, I think was another. And they're also going through some of their recruits. Uh, Abby Rock is joining. 
She's such an unbelievable player to watch. So excited to see what she does there. And it seems that they she did rocks. <laughs> Clever. Clever. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, they they uh, they did a tryout and they have a thread, so you can very easily see who will be playing for them this year by going through the thread throughout the off season. Awesome stuff. And we wanted to say we had some really good um, suggestions to talk more about women's hockey um, from you, our wonderful listeners. And we just, the three of us are not experts on this. So we're going to find the right guests or guests and talk about that in a future episode. And we also loved all the other story ideas you gave us. Some are so good that we need to prep for them. So um, we'll be touching on those in coming weeks. Don't think we weren't paying attention. But of course, the bigger news that seems to be right on the cusp of breaking, um, it's starting to sound like there's going to be announcements coming soon, is will the NHL have playoffs? Sarah, your thoughts? Whether, yes, they, I, again, I always say this when people keep asking me that, um, not that people keep asking me, like paparazzi get away from me, but like when paparazzi. people do ask me during whatever, Yes, because Gary Bettman wants to and everybody wants to. Um, I'm not saying that's the best option. I'm not saying I have a lot of thoughts on it that I think I'll straighten out once the actual format gets announced and all the details like with worker arena workers, like what are they going to get paid? What's going to happen with the quarantines, et cetera, et cetera. Like what do the players think anonymously? Like I'll definitely ask around, but I mean, yes, it's going to happen no matter if it's in they, to my knowledge, they're not naming a date when they do the announcement coming up because, and that's good. That's good. They just want to get something clearly want to get something out there and that's fine. I really like that. They aren't naming a date because that would be just like, who do you like? You're not tougher than the coronavirus. Like you can't just be like, okay, it's over now. Like I keep seeing memes that are like, um, everyone thinks because states are opening back up that like it's over like because yeah. you're bored it's over like it's not just because we want hockey back doesn't mean it's over but there are safe things at the same time to some degree we have to get on with our lives and that means we have to put our little thinking caps on and be smart about things so I just would like to see the thinking cap on and not the money cap but it's probably going to be a mixture of both. Um, I don't know. The more I'm like, I'm like talking myself into it in case like, I have to go. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I like the idea of um, if this wasn't like a dystopian society, it would be fun to have two hub cities where the entire NHL playoffs are just in. Like, I'll be walking by like some guy from the, the Penguins or something. I, what Not the Penguins. I guess that's a sore subject if it's 24 format. But like, it's just funny to think that it's like the Olympics, like Olympic Village or something like that. But um, it's not going to be like that because we're all going to be locked in our hotel rooms for 17 years and everyone's baby is going to grow up and go to college. But <laughs> it's going to happen. So we'll mentally prepare. And, and Sarah said this, it's, it's sounding like they're leaning towards a 24-team format where theoretically there'd be two hub cities, one for each conference, the top four teams get buys, but would play some games potentially for seeding. And the bottom teams then play off in mini series to then play off against the top four seeds. And potentially, even if you live in the hub city, you're still going to be quarantined with your team um, and not be going back and forth to home. So um, 
people seem, and, and honestly, it's been so long since we've had hockey, it's hard for me to get super riled up about the actual game right now. Um, but people seem really fired up about including teams like Chicago and Montreal, right? Who, for all intents and purposes, were not going to be in the playoffs had the season concluded. And it, those are obviously two huge hockey markets, which would drive a lot of revenue. So look, we already get that even though this is a league that intentionally shut itself down for a year and a half in the past couple decades and didn't have any revenue those years, we get that revenue is driving so much of this apparently because now we can't do it. Revenue understanding aside, what are your guys' thoughts on having such a big field and having teams like Chicago and Montreal included? Shana. Boo. Okay. <laughs> Let's start. I am a person who writes about the New York Rangers. You are and a person. I am a person who writes about them. So if it were to go from 24 to 20, that means the Rangers are out. That lessens my chances of writing and having work, which would suck for me, but whatever. And understand if there are less games going on, my other job is affected too. So I'm coming into this for every reason. I should be saying more games, more teams, more chaos, let it rip, let's go. I am saying 24 teams is stupid because it should be 20 teams, but everyone knows that they just want to line their pockets because that's the priority because they're so boxed into the ways that they can make money through this. Um, so, I mean, look, the NHL could be handed six options and one option can be terrible, but it lines their pockets and the rest can be like, eh, maybe this is better, but you'll make a little bit less money. And then there's obviously the option that makes the most sense, but you'll make the least money and they're just going to go for the money. And I get that. I mean, most leagues are going to do that. So that's why there's the chance that base, uh, baseball could be happening, you know, not happening compared to basketball and hockey. And that's an entire season because it's all come down to money. I think that lessening the competitive field is better because, I mean, look, originally I was the one saying I would like to see 30 teams go to like 75 games and play, but it makes no sense to have all these extra teams. And I would say the same for now. It doesn't make sense to have extra teams. Um, they weren't going to make it. It doesn't make sense. Like just move on. It's totally fine. Like you'll be fine with 20 teams. It'll still be exciting and chaotic. Um, but I think this will be chaotic. I think it's good that a five game series, I don't hate, you know, if this is what it's going to be and having the first and second place teams having buys makes sense and being able to fix up their seating is interesting. But then if they go to four hub cities instead of two, I feel like you ruin that chance to do it because then it's just two teams playing against each other to jostle for it. And that's like a playoff series right there. And I just don't think that would be a good idea. So, um, yeah, I just, I have like so many like little issues with it and something that it, it's going to, that annoys me. And I know Allison, this is going to annoy you, but it sounds like they might not do player tracking. Um, yeah. yeah. So, probably not. Which is absolutely yeah. insane. It, there could be no better time to try right? it. You're not, you're staying at arenas, whether it's two or four, you are at two arenas or four arenas. You are setting up all the equipment and that's it. You have no fans in the stands. So you can experiment with all different camera angles, which should help the process right there. And no one's going to see anything proprietary or secret. It's all going to be right. hidden. And you could give people at home more information. And yes, not every fan wants this, but guess what? You just opened up the market to do multiple feeds and multiple broadcasts. You can have it that it's a subscription only to see the stat cast, things like that, which you're boxing. Only fans. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it, you're boxing yourself in when your broadcast deal is set. Your advertisements, maybe there's some wiggle room for it because now you can do ads in places you couldn't before because there's no fans and things like that. 
but your streaming arrangements are set too. NHL TV does the regular season. And if you're outside the United States, you still get access to it. But if you're within it, you get to watch it on NBC. So whether it be for NBC or this is a way to do it for NHL TV, like there's ways to test it and maybe it goes wrong and maybe you offer it as a game, see what the reaction is before the actual series, like the round robin games to do it. Start testing, play around with it, have a small group, test it, whatever you have to do. But like, this is your moment to do something you've been promising to do for years to give fans this extra information. And who knows, maybe a baseball fan who's into sabermetrics is like, you know what, I'm going to watch hockey because I'm super curious to see what they're doing with that data. Like, if you're going for a stat cast, that's the kind of person you're like looking to excite about it and get interested. And you're just like, nope, we're going to mail this one in. Nope, I, 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 I don't get it. And I get maybe it takes extra people to set it up. And yes, then you're bringing more people into the arena. But like, you could make this work and you're not because it's easier to be like, no, when this is a moneymaker right there, it could help with betting. It could help with just overall fan interest. It could help for teams wanting to buy into it. Like instead it's like mm, no, next year, maybe next year again. Sarah, you mentioned this before, but there is this talk that like, let's say your team goes deep in this format. You could be away from home for yeah. weeks and weeks and weeks. And there have been some players who have said either anonymously or on the record that they're not huge fans of that. What do you think of it? Again, we know the almighty dollar is ruling this, but are you, are you a fan of this being a necessary step for hockey to be played? Well, first of all, if they're going to do it, I don't see any scenario where they aren't away from their families for a long time. So if it happens, then maybe a hot take that I don't really mind the 2014 format because first of all, I know that like some of the teams get by weeks and that's actually one of the most fair formats that they've ever had. And meanwhile, everybody gets to practice before the like real playoffs because of the best of five and then they're going to have like scrimmages or whatever it is, but um, nothing's perfect. And I do think if you're going to do this, get as much money as possible as you can out of it. Or what was the point? The point mm -hmm. is for money. So you might as well get as much money and try to save certain things. Cause I know, and I know it's popular to bash the money and I, that's, I bash the money a lot, but it's like some of these small market teams are actually in trouble with yeah. the lost revenue. And it's like that there's a risk that small market teams could go under. So it's like, if you're going to do it for that, then do it. Absolutely. Any other thoughts on our playoff potential? What do you think? I mean, you, look, yeah. right yeah. now, like, Columbus would be playing the Leafs if they didn't, you know, change the standings at all and get opportunities to play. And I, I, how, I mean, how does this affect the Leafs? They would yeah. get Columbus. So what are your thoughts? I mean, I don't – 24 <laughs> feels like too many for me. I, there's so many conflicting thoughts, right, because it's, there's what's good about it, but what's good about it feels so stupid. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. I think 24 teams is too many. I, I selfishly for my hometown, Columbus is rumored to be one of the potential hubs. And I think that'd be great for local business. I think that'd be great to Columbus. Columbus loves you, Sarah. Wolf's Ridge loves Sarah. Sarah loves Wolf's Ridge. <laughs> um, I miss going to Wolf's Ridge with you, Sarah. Me too. That's we'll do great. that I get in some capacity if that's oh a go. Seriously. But I mean, and it, so it would be cool to have the playoffs in Columbus. That's a good thing. Um, it's a good thing that Columbus specifically would be healthy and could potentially be playing again and not just be out of the playoffs, which is one potential if they do go to 16. But I just struggle so hard with, like, 
I was talking about this with my husband today, like are, are there good, they're going to take as that many tests that they're going to need to test those players every single day out of the public market when people can't get tested as it is like, right. I, I think I just, the idea is it should be, it's, it's going to happen when testing is widely accessible, but who knows? yeah, it right. seems like the NBA has more of a plan with the testing that maybe the NHL could copy it, but I, I but you still need the tests. Like, yeah, exactly. They can't make the tests. So, yeah. you know, and it's just, Again, it's just, it's mind blowing to me that, and, it, and look, Columbus is one of the teams that's affected in terms of the Fox sports deals, where there are financial repercussions if they don't deliver yeah. a regular season full of games that are significant and huge, and there are other teams in that boat. But like, again, this is a league that intentionally shut itself down before and was going to totally scrap that revenue over principle of labor. Yep. And now we're, we're doing something that just seems to risk too much I mean, and, and it, I just like, and all this stuff, like coaches will be socially distancing. Are you seriously think your coaches are going to be yelling at your players and effectively coaching from six feet away? Like, come on. Yeah, no, like, unless like not. everyone has an earpiece and their sport that you think about at baseball, if you're in the dugout and they were like, we're going to take the first row of the stands and it's totally okay. And you switch where you need to be. Like you could do that hockey. Like you need to be in a certain spot on the bench. They're close right. together. And you scream the line combination. Yeah. Like it just <laughs> so seems true. like a lot. I mean, just have a microphone, have Rod Brindamore as a megaphone, like Warren <laughs> Fogel, get on the ice. <laughs> well, and like, to, like my thing too is I wonder, we've talked about this before, but like in a normal quote unquote off season or even during a lockout, like players all, if you're not in shape, that's on you, the player. You right. have the capabilities to stay in the shape you need to be. Not all players have equal access to training facilities right now. So yeah. like, the young guys who don't have gyms in their house and don't didn't buy stuff or maybe don't have places to put stuff or goaltenders can't even do anything remotely close to actual goaltending. Like how many injuries are we going to see as a result know, of this? I know that's scary. And then you have the condensed off season to worry about. Right. Um, right. I think I read today something about like, phase... <laughs> everything's so great. <laughs> yeah, right. They're like going to have a plan to have players be able to work out soon. But like, I still think, my concern not only is for like the players, but it's the coaches, it's the staff. And like a lot of the equipment managers and staff are older and the hotel workers are still people who are mm -hmm. coming and going and exactly. you're putting, not just are they putting you at risk, but like they're human beings too, you're putting at risk. So, I mean, do you think Columbus, Ohio as a whole seems to be like handling this pretty well and like, you know, they, they've had answers for things. Do you think that maybe it gives you an ounce more of confidence at being there versus a state like, I don't know. Arizona who fired their health advisors when they were told no don't do it and then like a minute later we're like all right sports come here come here let's go like well I mean it, I mean that was it does and when when the rumors started coming out I, I said I'm like well Columbus makes sense because it is a hockey market there's the ice and they've handled the crisis fairly well but again that doesn't mean to your point that all these extraneous people have to take this same risk because you know and we all see it like like you said, there's players and then there's trainers and then there's the personal trainers that players work with outside of the team training. There's nutritionists, there's cooks, there's cleaners, there's medical staff. I mean, there's so many people involved. There's building security. Like there's so many people talk about exponential growth, like the number of people that would have to be included in this and take the risk. And HLers. Massive, massive. Mm -hmm. So, um, I just thought of one other thing too, actually. So the Rangers have this like, no, it just popped no, into your my face. Head it was like, I just had a revelation of life. 
I did. I did. I swear I did. Brain I don't think like I've Jimmy seen anywhere else. <laughs> Folks, if you're That's so raven. Oh my god. I what is it? had to watch that show for work the other day and just like buzz through it. And I was like, oh my god. I forgot that show existed. Anyway, the Rangers have a tax provision that they can't play home games away from the garden. That's why every outdoor game, even in New York, you know, the Sabres came to what was it, City Field maybe, and it was an outdoor game that the Sabres were the home team. The Rangers can't play home games, period, outside. So how are they going to make it work when they can't play a home game but they're doing a playoff series and let's say Columbus in theory, they make it because it is going to be flipped back and forth. Who has first line, you know, first change, things like that. Like they can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just all crazy and who's to say what's going to go, but I, we, we'll, we'll have more to complain about next week. I'm sure when there's at least another plan or another announcement, um, let's wrap it up as we always do with Fuck, Mary Kill, and my friends, do we have some good ones from you this week. Sarah Sivian, you are up first. Are you ready to go? I suppose. Okay, here you go. <laughs> Fuck, Mary Kill, trade deadline trades, regular season non-deadline trades, or between season trades? Can you say that one more time? <laughs> okay, so there's three kinds of trades, okay? Mm. Ones that happen at the trade deadline, ones that happen during the regular season, not at the trade deadline, and trades that happen during the off season. Okay. Um, I'm going to marry the after the deadline um, trade. That's, that's an option. I like think that's hilarious. Season. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's hilarious because um, it's very unusual. Um, I think the Hurricanes were contemplating it when um, Mrazek and Reimer both got hurt in um, the emergency backup night, but they decided not to because obviously Mrazek and Reimer got um, healthy, but I thought that was hilarious. Just like, oh, you're going to have to chill for the playoffs, but um, come hang out for a little bit, get some rest. Epson. I don't know. It's just, I, it's very unusual and I like it. I'm going to fuck um, trade deadline because it's dramatic and it's fun. And I love to watch them like roll in and it's like, you, you're on the paper trail and like Shayna Golden will probably break it. And um, I'm going to kill um, off season trades because I am usually like doing something fun. And then it's like, Oh, this is a trade. And I'm like, Oh my God, like four margaritas deep. Like, <laughs> Do they really have to do this right now? And like, they don't care about the 4th of July because they're from Canada, but I care. So I hate those. Shayna, yours. Um, I am hmm. going to, I'm going to kill trade deadline day only because like, I, I love chaos and I feel like there's so much chaos that you can anticipate, but it never like truly happens. And a lot of the time they're like shitty trades or, you're still looking at it and you're like, this a lot. And also, like, it'll be, like, five things happening at once if they do actually happen. And then, like, you have to condense it into one thing instead of just, like, really getting the time to, like, focus on everything, like, you should want to. And, yeah, I just feel like it's a lot of mistakes and maybe don't. So I'll kill those. I am going to fuck the off-season trade because I feel like it's it's something that's, like, it's, like, a nice – it, like, pops up in the middle of your day. Like, you don't know what you're doing. And – yeah. 
I, I remember like this Subban trade. I was playing like soccer with my friends and I look at my phone. I'm like, oh, this is great. I'm like, all right. And then you like, you have something that you're like interested in. And it like gives you like that little taste of hockey, like that's going on. Like, um, you know, that was nice. Like I, I know the Trouba trade, it was like exciting. It was off season. Like you're like, okay, like it, it, it feels like it's real. It's happening. And it gives you something to talk about when you're probably doing a hundred player report cards and things like that. So I will marry yeah. the regular season trades. I think, I think those are fun because like, it's not like you have this anticipation to and, and worry to jump into a new team. Like you're thrown right into the mix. And I feel like that's like a fun way to like see it unfold. Like you get instant gratification of seeing what's going to happen, but it's not necessarily at the deadline where you see 16 other moves. Like you see the one move and, see how all the chips can fall around. And I think that's like super interesting. And if there's any other trades that'll follow, I, I like that. <laughs> I am going to, Sarah swayed me. I'm going to kill the between season trades because when the Blue Jackets traded Brandon Saad for Artemi Panarin, I was literally in my in-laws hometown, which is a small town. We were downtown, no internet. The trade goes down. I was writing for the team at the time, and like I had to like literally write in the car driving up a mountain to get the story oh file. It was a nightmare, um, and I hate that. Yep. Um, I'm going to marry regular season non-deadline trades because I do think those are fun, and they they come out of nowhere. But you're you're you know it's hockey time, so like it's a little bit more acceptable and they're not like forced, like at trade deadline, you feel like everyone has to make a trade. Like, it's yeah. just stupid. Yeah. Like, yeah. I hate that. So I will fuck trade deadline in the sense of like, fuck them, not fuck as the like fun, fuck the bad fuck. So fuck trade, <laughs> the trade deadline trades. Uh, our next one, Shana, you'll go first. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. Okay. And these are not the people. These are the, yeah, not based on their looks. It's not the Before actual that. human beings that you would meet on the street. Fuck, Mary yes. kill. Jack Johnson, <laughs> Justin Falk, or Dan oh. Girardi. Go. Okay. I'm killing Jack Johnson. I don't <laughs> want to come near that contract, that situation, or his play. I don't like his game at all. I don't – there's nothing there. I don't care about it. I, you know um, – the joke is everything with Pittsburgh, how he got the contract and he's Crosby's friend and he's still playing and he shouldn't be in it. No, nope, nope, nope. Kill it. Done. Don't want it. Um, I will fuck Justin Falk. I, I think that he was just a player that maybe was playing in positions he shouldn't have been. And he dealt with a lot of shit and handled it well. And there are aspects of his game that I like. He's an offensive defenseman and things like that. So I do like to see a defenseman that can move the puck. And I will marry Dan Girardi, which – Anybody who has read anything I've written probably will laugh at me and be like, really? Because all I did, um, by the time I started writing, he was like deep in a decline and I bragged on his game constantly and his contract and his usage and all of that. Um, but you know, here we are after all that, we're still okay. So there's that. And, and there's something to be said, like he was this undrafted player and he put it all out there. Like if you want to talk, everyone talks about him as a warrior and like forget like playing through the injury thing, but he put it out there every single solitary game and was someone that was so like beloved everywhere he played that like, you know, he's, he had his moment of being like really good too. I, I think he exceeded any expectations for his career. And when I watched purely from a fan standpoint, I, I loved like the shot blocking style. Like I thought he was such a fun player to watch. And then I started watching more and I'm like, actually, I hate that style. 
but you know, I, I always had like an appreciation for him. So there you go. Are you arguing for grit, Shayna? No. Shayna from years past <laughs> thought it was, because keep in mind, like I, when I was a functioning human watching games, it was the John Tortorella shot blocking Rangers that collapsed in front of Henrik Lundqvist, who was outstanding and you had zero offense and you know, there was, they were like the black and blue, well, black and blue shirts. I think like people have called them because like how much they did, but yeah, it was like him and McDonough and they were fun to watch. Like Girardi was actually good for a minute. And then he just declined because they kept giving him first pair of minutes and he was playing with like a cracked kneecap and he was supposed to like not play back to backs. And they're like, and Vigneault was like, no, nah, it's fine. He'd play all the games. And that was the whole like Clendenning thing. So it was like, yeah. But Listeners, chime in on this one for me. Did Shana argue for grit or not? I'd love to hear your thoughts on the Twitter machine. Sarah, your Shana turn. Shana just joined the old boys club. All right, this is tough. Fuck Corsi. I care about heart and blocks. Oh, no, here we go. This is tough. Um, I am going to marry Justin Falk because it, he was so, he knew everybody hated him and he did not give a fuck. Like he, like he, no, you wouldn't do that if you asked you met him because he like is funny and he just would laugh it up not that everybody hates it but he knew that like he pissed everybody off with the way that he played and I think um I don't know I could have used a change of scenery as they say I don't know um yeah I'll just marry him because he's funny I'm gonna um fuck Jan Girardi because I don't because I want to kill Jack Johnson, but I don't know much about him. So I was looking up his Wikipedia and I'm laughing at like his, the facts about him. One is um, um, he retired as the all-time leader in shots blocked, having blocked nearly 2,000 shots in his career. And then the uh, parentheses is the league did not begin dragging block shots until 2005. Like you can't even give him that. Um, and then personal life, Girardi's childhood idol was Mark Messier. Okay. Like same, like a cool, like why is that? And then it's like, it goes during the off season. He resides in Fort Erie, Ontario with his wife. Like why do we care about his childhood idol? But um, he has cute kids too. They should have back okay, his kids. Cool. So fuck him. And then, I'm going to kill Jack Johnson because I just can't, the contract and the GM is trying to explain and acting like they're smarter than the fans for it when really they aren't. But I feel bad for Jack Johnson, like the whole family mismanaging of his um, money, like what the hell? So, but I definitely don't want to get involved in that. So we're going to kill him. I have no different opinions than Sarah on this. Those were my same. I want to, Mary Justin Falk. I always liked Justin Falk, even when people didn't like him. I like, he was kind of like this little oasis, like back in the day. I kind of liked um, that. And then I'm fucking Dan Girardi only because I'm going to kill Jack Johnson for the same, Fair. same reasons. Sorry, Jack. Okay. I bet you're a really Sorry, nice guy. I've heard you're a really nice guy too. You're but... Sidney Crosby's friend. You can always rely on that. You don't have to yeah. be <laughs> you're Sidney Crosby. We're not going to get you contracts like Crosby. Well, it's fine. Frequent too many men listener Jack Johnson is so disappointed in us. <laughs> <laughs> All if right, you want to be a guest, Jack, anytime. All I, right? I think, I think that, that that ship has sailed. I think we just yeah. royally... <laughs> cease any opportunity for that to happen on this fine program of of hockeyum all right folks uh, that is all we have for this week wait um, yes wait i have a uh, <laughs> allison do you know sean romeo i saw that yeah yes. okay so he's yeah he's running a hundred mile i mean running <laughs> no, he's, so, he's so a biking for people who don't miles. know sean romeo is the former goaltender for ohio state 
Yes. And he lives in Raleigh. So that's how I know him. But yes. um, he is biking 100 miles for a local um, hockey player who is fighting for his life. I'll give the details, but um, would be cool to support him. Um, I'll just mention that again when we drop this podcast. Awesome. Oh, yes. I have one thing to add too. Can you tell us a little bit about the virtual 5K oh. that you're doing and going to win? <laughs> so, um, so there are videos that explain this in full, but Cam Atkinson of the Columbus Blue Jackets has a charity called Force Network Fund that focuses on supporting um, first responders and military. And so during this time, he has redirected that to focus on supporting um, frontline work and hospitals in Columbus. So he organized a virtual 5K, which means you sign up, you get a t-shirt, you get, I think you get a bib. You, for the first 500 people get a medal or something too. And you go do a 5K, you walk it, you bike it, you run it, whatever. And that way you've participated and you've done something good. So um, Jess Oboda, who's the team reporter, uh, signed up and Aaron Portsline signed up and Cam tweeted at Jeff and said, well, who's going to win between you and Porty to Jeff? And Jeff said he was. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> no one even like paid me mind. And so we have established a bet um, that you can vote on who you think is going to win either Jeff or I by making a donation to the race. Jeff and I will match them up to $130 and we're trying to get other people to join us and people are, and that's awesome. So I saw Dom got called out by Cam Atkinson, which was amazing, but amazing. I, oh, very no. happily, I put my money on you, Allison. Well, Me too. I, thank you. Dom and I are actually uh, working on a, a bet between he and I now too. So stay tuned for that. those details. All right. Anything else? Ladies. That's it. That's just my late contribution. No, that's yeah. good. That's, that's very good. Um, all right. We, um, as always, appreciate you guys sticking with us, listening to the show, supporting us by buying merch. It's awesome. Um, we can't thank you enough. Um, follow us on Twitter at two underscore much underscore man. Check out our website at too many men pod. Subscribe to this show wherever you listen to podcasts and keep those great ideas coming. We're gonna be working off this list of things that you've given us to discuss for the next couple of weeks and we're excited about that. So um, with any, without anything else, we'll just say thank you guys so much and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks so much. Sarah, this is where you say I love you. I love you. Oh my God, sorry, <laughs> I'm like, um, guys, I'm, I, can't, I can't even say I love you anymore. I'm getting emotional. Like I know you guys both have long-term relationships um i just want to hug a tall man and smell him like i can't it's getting ridiculous last night i said nick cage was hot like i need help i need that's, jesus that's, um that's all i can't even say i love you if it was in moonstruck you're forgiven it was raising arizona no, not moonstruck he was okay in that. <laughs> all right goodbye guys we'll talk to you next week i do love you